and welcome to Book for Lunch, interviews with the world's leading business book authors and thinkers. I'm Susie Daphnis of the Australian Business Women's Network. My guest today is Michael Stelzner, founder of socialmediaexaminer.com and author of Launch, How to Quickly Propel Your Business Beyond the Competition. In this interview, we look at how to create highly shareable content that meets people's needs, how to attract and retain raving fans that will help your business grow, how to creatively market and sell to people who would gladly purchase your products and services, and how to identify and work with outside experts, many of whom will gladly promote your content. Enjoy this interview with Michael Stelzner and this episode of Book for Lunch. Before I introduce our author, I do want to say uh, about this book. Um, to the left of your screen, you should see a picture of the book, and it's not the static picture that w- the wonderful people at Wiley Books have given us. It's actually my book, and as you can see, it's got a few post-it notes. If you opened it up, you would see it's got yellow highlighter throughout it. Now, the wonderful people at Wiley sent me the book a few weeks ago in preparation for today, and um, I had left it to this week to start reading the book. I'd read, you know, reviews, and I knew it was a great book, um, and then. I was kicking myself because it had so much practical information, a lot of which we're going to share with you here today, that I could have been using for all these weeks. And so last night I'm at the, I'm at the dinner table, I'm finishing off the last five pages, I jumped online, I, I did a video uh, talking to our members about um, the book and why it's important that they join us here today. The book is, I think, uh, definitely a must for any small business, you'll understand why at the end of today. The market has changed, marketing has changed, how we communicate with our customers has changed and the strategies that used to work no longer work. We're going to look at what does work and how to propel your business beyond the competition. We're going to look at content. What do we mean by content? What sort of content works? How to identify uh, the important people for your organization to succeed? Um, How to sell to people without actually selling and without being salesy? when we need to hold back from marketing. We're going to give you a whole lot of ideas on how to boost your business and to propel it forward. The author of this book is Michael Stelzner. He's the founder of Social Media Examiner. Um, He has defied gravity with a principle that we're going to introduce you today, and that's the elevation principle. He's become a self-made millionaire during what has been a very difficult time economically in the United States and for many parts of the world. In 2009, he launched Social Media Examiner. He's going to tell us a little bit about that um, in a moment. And today, that organization has more than 120,000 subscribers and gets over 450,000 visits to their main website. In this book, he does give away, as he said to me earlier, the secret sauce. And he's going to be sharing some of that with us here today. Let's bring Michael on and let's get started. Michael, do we have you there? Yes, Susie, thank you so much for having me and I love that picture of my book. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be happy to send you a copy. (laughs) Now, I said a little bit about, um, you know, the size of the business now and when it began, but give us a little bit of the story of how this book came to be in existence. Yeah, well, um, the backstory is I used to be a writer. And um, before that, I used to work for a corporation, and um, I got wrongfully terminated. And I decided to use that opportunity to go start my own business. I started a creative services company in the 90s. No, yeah, in the 90s. And uh, I was servicing high-tech companies, and then all of a sudden, around 2002, uh, the tech market um, kind of crashed. So I decided to rebrand my company, and I became a white paper guy. And I started writing these documents for big businesses that helped them sell um, expensive and complicated products and services. And I employed kind of some strategies. I call myself the, uh, I graduated magna cum laude from the School of Hard Knocks. I kind of just experimented and kept retrying and retrying until things seemed to work. And um, eventually I um, wrote a piece called How to Write a White Paper, a white paper on white paper. And Tens of thousands of people downloaded it, and it, read, it led to a best-selling book called Writing White Papers, and then it led to me kind of becoming the king of white papers, believe it or not. Then around 2002, I decided to um, try something brand new. I said to myself, if I, um, being a nobody in the world of social media, and actually this, 
this was around, no, not 2002, this was 2009. Um, I wonder if I could apply the very same techniques that I used to become the king of white papers to become one of the princes of social media. Now, this is when Facebook and Twitter were gargantuous, where there were thousands of bloggers that were blogging about social media exclusively. I was an absolute nobody. I decided to um, start Social Media Examiner in October of 2009. And um, the first couple of weeks after we launched, um, Technorati, which is, uh, you guys might be familiar with, one of the big organizations that ranks bloggers, uh, ranked us as one of the top 100 small business blogs in the world after only like four weeks. And then um, before you know it, we just exploded. And I don't want to reveal too much of the story, but uh, two years later, um, we have 450,000 people, unique individuals, that visit our website every month, 120,000 um, email subscribers that receive emails from us every single day, and we get a 25 to 30 percent daily open rate on those emails. Um, and we've generated um, $1.7 million in our first year and uh, more than two and a quarter million dollars so far this year. So I knew, obviously, my formula worked and it was time to write a book, so I decided to write the book launch and in the book I laid out the whole darn formula on how to do it. Yeah, and you did and um, very generously so and the level of detail that you go into, um, you know, obviously today we're going to be looking at the major principles, but you you did do that and the the principle that I want to start off with, which seems to underpin your very own success and the steps you took is the one that you open the book up with. And the formula is great content plus other people minus marketing messages equals growth. And I'll just say that one more time. Great content plus other people minus marketing messages equals growth. Could you go ahead and explain this formula and tell us why it works? Yeah, so here's what I want you to do. Think about your business Everybody that's listening to this right now, I want you to think about your business um, as a rocket ship. And I want you to think that you're at the helm of this rocket ship. And your mission is to take this thing to new frontiers. And in order to do that, um, you need a couple key things. And it, it's very simple. And, 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 and by the way, it took me a lot to get this simple formula. <laughs> I didn't just make this, you know, I didn't just all of a sudden like, okay, this is my formula from the beginning. Over time and experimentation, I kind of learned that this was the secret formula. So in order to move your business forward, you need people. And people are the core. People take you wherever you want to go. And without people, you're nothing. So um, the first part of the formula is great content. Great content is something that people love. And you guys know what great content is because it's the kind of stuff you share on Facebook. It's the kind of stuff you retweet. It's the kind of stuff that you print or you make PDF files out of or you bookmark. Um, examples of great content are things like incredibly detailed articles that tell you how to do something that you really are interested in. So the core to um, drawing people to you is to create this spectacular content. Now, you see that crowd of people there on the screen? These people are specific kinds of people that you're trying to attract. In the case of Social Media Examiner, we were trying and still are trying to attract marketers and business owners. So we knew at Social Media Examiner that we needed to create really detailed how-to articles that were specifically designed to attract a certain audience. But notice there's a guy there with a clipboard, and you might not be able to see it, but he's the guy out in front with the, the red tie and the blue jacket. There are some people that I call experts. And part of what the elevation principle talks about is to identify and shine the spotlight on experts. And these are the people that have such incredible knowledge inside their brain that if you can tap it and you can share it with your audience, two things happen. Number one, you got great content, back to the first part of the formula. But number two, you begin something that could lead to strategic alliances and partnerships. And then the last part of the formula is minus marketing messages. When you stick the advertisements away, when you get rid of those marketing messages, when you cage them, that's when people perceive the content that you produce not as something designed 
to get them to do something, not as bait to get them to become a customer, but instead they perceive that content as valuable and as a gift, and they receive it that way. So the core of this, all three of these things working together is you have to create great content targeted to a very specific audience. You need to also identify outside experts that you can tap and shine spotlights on. And then the last thing is you just strip those marketing messages completely out of your content, and the end result will be something that goes crazy viral that everybody loves, and essentially you grow a massive following upon which you can grow in your business. If those of you listening are anything like me, there are aspects of what was just said that you go, but, 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 but. So we're going to address some of those buts a little later on. But we're going to start, uh, and sticking with the rocket uh, analogy, we're going to start your mission plan. And this is uh, one of the first parts of the book. And Michael, you say the chances of launching your business into outer space without planning is zero. But when it comes to planning, most of us are asked to look into the future and to design our plan forward. You, however, say to start with the end. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is something that I learned when I was in college, believe it or not, um, from some guru that they brought in. I don't remember <laughs> who the heck told it to me. But um, the idea is to visualize that you've already achieved whatever it is that you set out to accomplish. For example, in the case of Social Media Examiner, our mission was to have 40,000 people that were subscribed by the end of the first year. Um, so, so, you know, act like you've already done it and then ask yourself, what did you do just before you achieved the goal? So, for example, in our case, I could say, all right, 40,000, I want to get to 250,000 email subscribers by the end of next year. So what was the thing that I did just before I reached 250,000? Um, we had a big promotion to help push us to 250,000. Okay, what was the thing that I did just before that? And what was the thing that I did just before that? Act like you've already achieved it and start working your way backwards until you get to the presence. And then, boom, you've got an entire mission plan. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of crazy, but um, so many of us get caught up in what do I need to do to get to the next step that right. we never bother to ever get to the end. So just act like you've already received, you know, uh, or, or have already achieved whatever it is you have in mind and then work backwards, and it's actually very easy. Now, you don't have to have every single day figured out, but you'll end up with a plan, and you'll end up with something that becomes extremely actionable. And as we're going along this plan, there's a couple of concepts you introduce us to. One is gravity drag, and the other is escape velocity. Would you just clarify for us what those two concepts sure. are? Sure. Take a look at that red rocket there. Um, that red rocket is... Um, businesses that are stuck doing the old traditional types of marketing and um, they haven't bothered to embrace things like social media or things like content marketing because they're scared or they're concerned what other people are going to think or they're worried about the critics uh, or they've been told it can't be done. And the problem with that is they get stuck and um, because of that, Gravity is bringing them down. It's dragging them back down to Earth, and the rocket ship is about to crash. Now, in order to achieve escape velocity, um, you need to have momentum. So um, what I suggest in the book is to start small and start achieving goals and objectives and begin accelerating. And once you get to a certain point with your momentum, you become unstoppable. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you probably have friends or you probably know of other businesses that are on a massive growth curve right now and that are clearly unstoppable. Take a look at Facebook. It became very apparent that Facebook was going to become unstoppable because they had such momentum. And the good news is once you break through what I call gravity and you're out in the outer space, nothing's stopping you. So, um, I mean, I know these sound like abstract concepts, but I do outline, outline them pretty, pretty detailed in the book, but the key thing is to not let fear, uncertainty, and doubt um, stop you from going after whatever it is you dream to achieve with your business. One of the big parts of the book is about you really approach business as a team sport, and in many, many ways. Um, in the chapter, Who Are You Watching?, you ask us to look outside our rocket window in order to find inspiration. Who or what are we actually looking for? 
Well, okay. So um, full disclosure, uh, confession time, if you will. Um, just the other day, I was so engrossed with what we are prepared to launch here in the next couple of days that I have lost track of what is happening around me. And so often, I would imagine it happens to you too. Um, we live in our own little cocoon, and uh, it's nice and comfortable. And um, what we don't realize is that the competition or people in other industries are perhaps doing things that could spur new ideas. Um, one of the stories that I often tell is uh, about um, Chipotle, Mexican Grill. I don't know if they have these things in Australia. But um, it's a restaurant that I walked into, and I was so impressed because this restaurant has a, a bunch of people standing behind a counter, and they've got bins full of food. And um, on their menu is very simple. You can order a burrito. You can order a salad. Uh, you can order a bowl. Or you can order tacos. And basically, you just decide what you want. And as you progress through the line, um, it's kind of like, okay, what do you want on it? You want chicken on it? You want um, cheese on it? Do you want onions on it? And boom, they wrap it up, and it's done. It's a brilliant business model because what they've done is they've taken all these ingredients that are common ingredients, and depending whether they wrap it in a flour tortilla, it's a burrito. If they stick it in a plastic container, it's a bowl. So um, I learned just by my experience at Chipotle Mexican Grill, that I can take some of the stuff that I've created for my business and I can repackage it by changing it just a little bit. For example, maybe making a video out of the same content that I made a blog post out of. So moral of the story here with this simple little example that I'm giving you, what I'm proposing to you is that you can look in areas that have absolutely nothing to do with your business. Food has nothing to do with my business. But when you start looking outside your window of your business, so to speak, and watching what other businesses are doing regardless of the industry, you can get inspiration that can power um, new ideas for your business. And that's what I'm trying to say here with this chapter of the book is that I think it's super critical for you to figure out exactly how, um, how, how to find new ideas. And really the way to find new ideas is just to look in places where it's not so obvious. And then, boom, the light bulb goes off in your head. And before you know it, you're starting to do different things. I'll give you one more quick example. Back in the day when I uh, was the white paper guy, I bought some software. And um, I noticed that this particular software company had um, set up what's called a forum, right? We all know what that is today, right? But they had a support forum set up where you could go and you could post questions. And other people that had bought the software could answer the questions or the experts that work at the company could answer the question. So I got the creative idea to use the um, very same software that they were using for support to create a forum for an entire community on whitepapersource.com where writers and marketers could come together to discuss ideas related to writing and marketing white papers. So you can see how just looking and saying, wow, that's an interesting idea. How can I apply that to my business? You can really take things to new places. And you do go into detail about, you know, how do I, where do I put these ideas? How do I keep them organized? And all that's in the book. Right. I want to have a look at the power of people. And you give us steps, very specific steps, on how to get to know our customers really well and even how to identify their problems so that we could go ahead and solve them. You also speak about some other people, and these are outside experts and the role that they can play in our business. I want to ask you first about the first group, which is customers. Why the emphasis on an intimate knowledge of our customers? Well, this is a wonderful question. Um, we are in an era today as business owners that is unlike anything that has existed in the history of mankind ever, ever, because, because around the mid-1990s, the Internet came about, right, which began the transition from um, powerful middlemen, publishers, if you will, that controlled what we read in newspapers and what we saw on television and what we read in magazines and what we heard on radio stations. That enabled all of a sudden consumers to get um, whatever they wanted without having to be reliant on middle people. Then all of a, cut, a sudden social tools came around about like LinkedIn and MySpace and Facebook and Twitter and Google+. And this allowed these people all of a sudden to group together. Now we live in an era where newspapers 
are no longer in existence, or many of them have gone out of business. Magazine publishers have gone out of business. People are watching less and less television. They're consuming media on YouTube and online. Um, the power has shifted to the people. The power is no longer with the traditional publications. In America, it was the New York Times. It was the Wall Street Journal. It was the CBS, NBC, ABCs of the world. These are no longer important. New media has allowed nobodies from nowhere, as Guy Kawasaki calls them, to become powerful, powerful individuals. And we witness the power of these individuals all over the place because everyday people that have, by happenstance, started hobbies have become celebrities in the world that we live in right now. So what does this mean for your business? What this means now is that if you're thinking about marketing your business, you need to rethink about trying to um, simply um, use the old mechanisms to get in front of customers. Instead, what you need to do is realize that customers are coming direct and customers want very, very specific information. So become the publisher and provide exactly what people want and you will be surprised how rapidly you can grow your business. So, you know, at a very core, we just have to really rethink the way that we, um, as a business, work. Instead of um, coordinating with a very select number of sources, if you will, that we just simply give money to and hope that, um, you know, our advertisements, if you will, will be seen. Now, instead, we can invest a tiny little fragment of that money in creating stuff that people really care about. And then when we do that, um, they'll come, they'll, sh they'll tell their friends about it, and they are now powerful, powerful. As a matter of fact, I just want to read the opening um, quote that I have on um, this chapter. Uh, this is a quote from Harvey Firestone. You may recognize the name Firestone because Firestone is a tire company, at least here in America. And this quote, I don't know when it happened, but it was probably in the 1950s. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. That's not the right quote. Um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Carl Sandburg, 1950. Okay, I am the people, the mob, the crowd, the mass. Do you know that all the great work of the world is done through me? So I want you guys to realize that it is really the power of people, mass amounts of people, that will take your business places that is never imaginable. And I want to strongly emphasize that stop thinking of people as buyers because at the end of the day, 95% um, of the people that are your fans and your followers and the readers of your content will never buy your stuff, but they'll do something more important. They'll tell their friends about it. They'll become walking billboards for the content that you create. They'll become lifetime evangelists for you. They'll become free advertisements for everything that you produce. And the end result is maybe if only 5% buy, as that audience get bigger, gets bigger and bigger, that 5% gets bigger and bigger, and you can grow a massive business on top of that. Thanks, Michael. One of the resources that's available to us and that you highlight is that of outside experts. Um, and you tell us how to find them, how to engage them, how to organize them, and even how to reward them. But when we're looking at bringing outside experts in, and we are you know, leaders within organizations, and perhaps even experts ourselves, are we making less of our own achievements by promoting others? Yeah, let's talk about that. So outside experts are people like... Um, the people that are talking at the trade shows in your industry, the people that have written books that are successful in your industry. Um, there are also people that are perhaps um, doing things inside of companies that are really cool and that you want to shine the spotlight on. So to get back to the question, um, if, if I decide to reveal what these people are doing and reveal some of their ideas to my audience, does it make my business look not so good? Um, I think it's a wonderful question, and when I started my white paper business back around 2000, whatever it was, two or whatever, um, I decided to reach out to the leaders in my space and offer them an opportunity to um, produce great content because I knew that if I could create a movement, um, the end result would be that all, um, all you know, you know the, the saying that a tide rises all ships something along those lines. So the end result is to create such a great, powerful movement that everyone benefits. And um, with Social Media Examiner, that's what we did as well. Um, and the end result, remember at the end of the day, is you want to become a publisher. You want to build a massive following upon which you can build a business. And when you bring these experts to your audience, 
um, and you do it in such a way that it doesn't appear as if um, they're competing with you, but instead they're cooperating with you. I call it coopetition. Um, the end result is that your audience looks to these experts and says, wow, look at the powerful people that um, this organization, Australian Business Women's Network, has brought over and over again. There, there must be something right about Australian Business Women's Network and what they're doing because they keep bringing spectacular people. And as a result, we love it. We come back for more and more. And Australian Business Women's Network can sell whatever it is that they have to sell. It is a model that works, and it is a little bit contrarian to the way most of us think about doing business. But at the end of the day, you will have people that love you that are your competition. <laughs> and, um, and that is how you become the center of your industry. That is how be, you become unstoppable. And that is also how you think about maybe developing strategic alliances with these people that you used to call competitors. And you do things that are way more powerful than you could ever do on your own. And that's exactly mm. what Social Media Examiner has done. Great. And yeah, we could not do what we do without um, you know, you coming on and doing this, or the previous speakers, or the people that blog on our behalf. And so I'm, I'm fully on board. <laughs> um, in the next chapter, um, Active Engagement, you quote um, one of my favourite authors, Robert Cialdini. He's been a guest here on uh, Book for Lunch. And um, you talk about the principle of reciprocity, uh, which I might get you to explain very quickly for anyone who's not familiar with that work. You talk about gift giving. Um, let's go ahead and explain reciprocity first, sure. if you don't mind, and then I'll yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. The rule of reciprocity says that we as human beings have an innate desire to return a favor uh, when a gift is done for us. And in Cialdini's book, uh, he does a he, he talks about a study that was done where um, two people are in a room, and uh, one of them is the is the sub is the test subject, and the other one is the scientist, if you will. And um, the uh, scientist leaves the room and um, comes back with a coke and gives it to the test subject. And, um, and then later on says, hey, I'm selling raffle tickets. Um, will you buy some? The person that received the Coke, Coke was significantly more likely to buy the raffle ticket because um, that person received the Coke. Um, that is the rule of reciprocity. But I will just warn everybody that I am not necessarily an advocate for the rule of reciprocity because um, while I believe it to be true, that we as human beings, when we receive stuff, have this desire to want to return the favor. I also believe that marketers have been taught and have abused the concept so aggressively, or I don't even know what the right word is, so badly. <laughs> I made up a new word there. Um, that that, that um, the end result is consumers are all the wiser now, and they see it for what it is, which is just something designed to get them to do something. So I do not believe you should um, give to get which is the core concept behind the rule of reciprocity. We can dig into that a little bit if you want to. Um, I, we could do a whole session on reciprocity yeah, yeah. and Chaldini's other things. And, but I think the thing that you highlighted is that many of us have taken this idea of giving and being generous and we've got it totally out of whack because it's all conditional. I'll give you this if you give me that. And exactly. we've, we've fallen out of favor. There are three circles of people um, that you identify in this chapter as the groups that we should be providing these gifts to. Uh, and often this gift in this context is content. Their friends and colleagues is one group. Paying customers is another. And our wider base and experts is the third. And of these three, you suggest that our wider base and experts is who we prioritize when it comes to being generous with gift giving. Why that group? Well, here's what it comes down to. Step back for a second and ask yourself, what is a gift? Um, if you're Let's say I've got three girls, okay? If I gave, let's just say it was one of my girls' birthdays on Saturday, which it was. She was four. If I gave her a gift and then um, immediately said to her, now what are you going to do for me? Wouldn't that be ludicrous? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be crazy? Why would we do such a thing, right? So gifts are not earned. Gifts are given without expecting anything in return. So in order for you to give a gift as your business, it has to be without strings attached. Thus, if you have a form on your website that says sign up um, for a newsletter and get a free video, that is not a gift. That is a smart marketing tactics, but that is not a gift. What I'm suggesting is that you give gifts with your content. And what I mean by that is that you reveal 
everything, that you take the shackles off, that you ungate your content, and that you let it live free, and you go detailed. For example, all you have to do is go to socialmediaexaminer.com and look at any of our articles. They are at least a 1,000 words. They're extremely detailed. They are valuable. We get emails from people, like there's one I wrote about in the book about this guy in Vancouver, Canada, that said, um, hey, if you're ever um, having an event and there's somebody in Canada that you want to give a free ticket to, I will drive with a bouquet of flowers to the person's door and give them a free ticket to your event. And if it's a man with a Starbucks coffee, I will dedicate an entire day of my life to you as my way of saying thank you for the great, valuable stuff that you give me for free. That's the kind of loyalty that you can gain when you are just giving away super, super valuable stuff. And um, when you do that for strangers and when you do that for your audience, um, they will absolutely love you. And this is one of the secrets to growing a successful business is to give and to give and to give without any expectation of anything in return. There will come a time when it's okay to sell, and there will come a time when it's okay to ask for something. But most of the time should be giving away this great content um, as a gift and getting the rewards of a gift. So if you're listening and you're wondering when is that time when I can actually sell, just hold on. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, we still have a lot to cover, um, but I do want to take a little bit of an aside uh, step. And this is just a very practical uh, tip that I wanted uh, to share because I got so much from looking at this um, in your book. Um, you say, if you want people to act, tell them what to do. And you go to great lengths to give us examples of how to create powerful calls to action. How explicit do we need to be in our asking, especially, um, I guess, online when we're, when we're trying to ask for something? Oh, it's very important. I mean, um, there's been bazillions of studies that have been done that show that um, um, if you just simply tell people what to do, many will do it. At the end of every one of our articles, we tell people something along these lines. Please scroll down and leave your comment in the box below. I, mean, I know it sounds crazy, but just by simply saying that, our comments increase exponentially. People need some sort of a transition or next step. If you don't tell them what to do, they won't. many of them won't figure it out on their own. If I just said... Um, get the social media marketing industry report, it wouldn't be as powerful as download because download implies I can get it immediately. So picking the right words is absolutely essential. Yeah, and it's not necessarily obvious on this slide uh, that we're looking at, but you've even treated the word download slightly differently to the rest of the sentence to highlight right. it. Right, and there's lots of great examples uh, in the book, just like this one. Let's talk about um, the mothership, if you like, <laughs> content, sure. um, and fueling our marketing. I want to start off more generically, if you like, before we look at the different types of content and looking at some of the qualities of the content that you declare we ought to produce if we want it to be effective. And I'm just going to read through the six items and then we can have a quick chat. So you ask us for it to have it be relevant, educational, easy to digest, visually appealing, conversation inviting, and lacking a sales angle. I could go over those again if you like, but run us through why these six elements uh, make up the must-do uh, when it comes to content. Well, uh, the easiest way to answer this question is just to simply step back and ask yourself, what kind of content do I most enjoy? Um, when you think about what you really enjoy reading, it's probably something that gets exactly what you want. Like how many times have you read an article that um, – only gives you half the answer, and then you have to actually buy the rest of it. <laughs> Doesn't that suck? Um, you really want to actually give people precisely what they want. And the other, because I don't have all six of them in my brain, I'm actually I'm actually scanning through my book here real quick to find what I, they were again, or just tell I, me what they were again. I've just popped them in the chat box. Now let's start okay. with the oh, here we go. Relevant. relevant. You see? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So relevant. It's got to matter to your audience, so don't write about what, don't write about something that's off topic because then it won't be very successful. Um, give people exactly what they want. In order to give them what they want, you have to know what they want, which means you have to ask them. Um, educational, obviously, with educational, that means that how-to stuff. Everybody wants how-to stuff; they love it. Give it all away, even if you sell how-to stuff. Give it all away, and we can talk about later why that's so critical. 
um, easy to, to digest. We live in a world with skim readers where people um, don't really take the time to read from beginning to end, so they'll quickly skim something and then they'll decide if they want to invest in it. So that means you've got to use lots of bullets, lots of bolded subheads, lots of graphics to make it look visually appealing. Check out Social Media Examiner um, and you can see how that all works, but easy to digest and visually appealing are very strongly related. Conversation inviting means to have certain sections of it where you might ask people questions, uh, kind of like I shared earlier. And then getting rid of that um, instinct you might have at the end of the article or, or a blog post that says, if you like what you've read so far, hire Susie Jane to um, design your next website. Don't do that. Instead, <laughs> get rid of that completely. Instead, say something like, uh, if you like this article, sign up for Susie Jane's newsletter to make sure you don't miss our next one. See the difference? Um, now, all of a sudden, you're promoting your content instead of promoting your business. And for those listening, we are going to come back to when it's okay to sell. <laughs> this is great. It, it makes a lot of sense. Certainly, it did to me, but I did keep going, okay, and, and when. So we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about two types of fuel. Um, primary and nuclear. We're going to start off with primary fuel. Yep. Could you tell us what is primary fuel and how does it work? Primary fuel is like gasoline in your car. It has a 72-hour shelf life. You've got to refill every couple of days. Um, and it's what brings people back time and time again to your, to your website. Um, primary fuel are things like how-to articles, things like reviews of uh, books or, or uh, events or products. Um, things like case studies where you're sharing other successful businesses, things like interviews with experts, book reviews, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's the kind of stuff that um, at Social Media Examiner we put on an editorial calendar. And, um, you know, we, we have it mapped out for 60 days and we have mixed it up a little bit to make sure that we've got different kinds of primary fuel. So in our case, we're writing maybe an article on how to do marketing with YouTube one day and then Google Plus the next day and then maybe uh, Facebook the next day. So that is what primary fuel is. Okay, let's go ahead and um, talk about uh, what you uh, refer to as nuclear fuel, which is the, we need an extra boost. So what are some of the manifestations of nuclear, say, nuclear yeah. fuel? Well, there's really two kinds, and first let me step back and talk about why nuclear fuel and how it's different. Just like in real life, nuclear fuel is complicated to create, um, it's powerful, um, the same thing goes with nuclear content. In this particular case, um, you want to use nuclear fuel when you're about to launch something new, uh, like a new product, or when you need to bring a lot more traffic to your website because maybe things have slowed down a little bit, or perhaps um, you're about to start your business. This kind of content is the kind of content that people go crazy over. I want you to think about contests, for example. I want you to think about reports that you just had to give away that normally people should charge for. And I'll give you two quick examples. Um, the first one is reports. Um, Social Media Examiner puts out a free report each year called the Social Media Marketing Industry Report where we survey thousands of people. We ask them questions like, what's the biggest question about social media marketing you want answered? What tools are you using? We use the data from that report to decide our editorial calendar, but more importantly, to create a 40-page report that we give away completely for free without any registration requirement. We usually get about 40,000 people in the first couple of weeks reading the report. It goes crazy viral. That brings tons of traffic to our website, and it's got powerful search engine optimization benefits. For example, if you type in um, social media marketing on Google, at least in America, we come up on the first page. Contests are things like, um, for example, um, we do uh, each year we do a contest, top 10 social media blogs. We have a panel of judges and people nominate them and then we award little graphics that people can put on their website and it gets people kind of excited. So these are all forms of nuclear fuel. They're, they're complicated. They require a lot more time and effort to produce but they have a massive impact on drawing people to your business. One other example also in nuclear is that of what you call as micro-events. Ah, <laughs> that's what this is right now. That's so, what this um, is. Micro-events are things like webinars um, or on our Facebook wall we have Expert Fridays where we bring on a Facebook expert, I mean an expert in anything in social media and we've 
tomorrow, as a matter, on Friday, we've got Lewis Howes, who's a LinkedIn expert, um, and people for an hour come on our wall and post all their questions, and Lewis answers them. Um, webinars, obviously, are another great example. These are just um, planned out, you know, obviously they're more complicated to produce because they require lots of coordination with presenters and so on and so forth, but they're very, very valuable uh, content for your, your business, and obviously this is a perfect example of one right here right now. Great. Thank you. Um, and the two, nuclear and um, primary. Um, primary, work hand in hand. I think you've told us, you know, the first one has very short shelf life, but it's easy to produce. The second one uh, takes a little bit more, but, you know, gives you bigger results. Anything else you want to say about how the two work together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, you, can, you can go on and on and on without ever using nuclear fuel, which so many businesses do. They just create blog content that's really, really great, and they grow at a decent clip. But when you, when you bring nuclear fuel into the equation, and at Social Media Examiner, we do it maybe three, four, five, six times a year, depending on what we've got going on. Um, that can really radically boost um, your email subscribers, for example. Um, it can bring a lot more traffic to your website. It can help you achieve your goals a lot faster. A lot of times, nuclear fuel is like the big blast that draws a lot of people to you, and primary fuel is what keeps them coming back over and over again. So definitely it does make sense to kind of use these things collaboratively, strategically, planned out, and together. Very good. We have one final area to cover off, um, uh, but I just wanted to remind those listening that if you have a question for Michael, go ahead and put that in the questions box now. We're going to be getting to Q&A in a little while. Um, you have given us lots of clues as to why your business has been uh, successful and you have you know huge audiences not only who visit your site but also who subscribe to your daily newsletter and I just want everyone to hear that this is daily and 30% people open so when people say oh you don't want to market to people too frequently I think what Michael's demonstrated is it depends it depends what you're sending them and how much value they're getting so that's my just little side comment um, but what I want I to talk about you can go <laughs> Again and again in the book, you ask us to hold off pitching our marketing messages. There's pictures of, um, you know, marketing sales words, you know, in a cage. We've not only put them in a cage, we've put a big, you know, ghostbuster, don't go <laughs> outside of them. In the chapter, you delve into why to restrain, why to hold back. You actually tell a scene from Braveheart, the movie Braveheart, if you wouldn't mind retelling why you chose that, uh, that scene and why you chose it. And then just tell us, just let us have it. Why do okay. we need to restrain and when can we let go and actually sell? So Braveheart's one of my favorite movies. Mel Gibson plays William Wallace and he's, um, you know, got this little, little tiny army that's up against this massive army. And this massive army is on horseback and William Wallace is standing there um, um, on the ground and these horses are galloping towards him. And I don't know if you remember the part in the movie, but he goes, hold, hold, hold hold and despite every bone in every single warrior's body wanting to get up and fight um, he tells them to hold to the exact right moment then when the horses are just upon them they they raise up these big wooden stakes and the horses get impaled on them now you might be saying what in the world does that have to do with marketing <coughs> it has everything to do with marketing because the reason why he was able to win the battle is because he restrained it was because he waited till the right moment and with Social Media Examiner, I said, we're not going to sell anything until we have at least 10,000 email subscribers. We needed critical mass. We needed growth in order to achieve. Uh, we needed momentum, if you will, in order to achieve success. Had we just begun selling right out of the gate, we, we would never be the powerhouse that we are right now. Um, we would never be one of the largest business blogs in the world. So the moral of the story is that people don't like to be sold to, so stop selling to them. <laughs> it's really that simple. And there's a reason why we get a 25 to 30% daily open rate, because we are giving them what they want, which is not a pitch, but is spectacular content. If you can become the publisher instead of becoming reliant on other publishers, think newspapers, radio, magazines, um, and other websites that have big audiences, if you can become the one with the audience, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And the, the idea here is to instead of marketing um, every day, whatever it is you have to sell, market every day 
the content that you produce. So what I mean by that is put social share buttons inside of your content that allow people to click the retweet and the like button, which brings even more and more people to your business. The way that you sell ultimately, so, so first thing is to reshift your marketing. We're not going to ever spend another dime ever marketing our products and services. Instead, we're going we're to spend our time and money marketing our content. When you market the content, content naturally brings more and more people to you. Then you develop a back channel. That back channel for Social Media Examiner is our Facebook fans. We have 68,000 of them. It's our email list. We have 120,000 people. These are people that have loved our content so much that they've agreed to be fed it regularly. They've given me permission, if you will. Once I've got that back channel in place, then without abusing what I've built, I can begin to build a business or grow my business on that. And in the case of Social Media Examiner, we know that in order to sell what we ultimately have to sell, we need to own our audience, and that means we need to get them onto the email list. So we do everything in our power to encourage people to come onto our email list. Once they're on our email list, that is the key to everything that we do. When we have stuff to sell, we send out a solo dedicated email blast. Um, we even sell advertising into that email list. And um, that advertising is completely back-channel, meaning it's transparent to new people that come to the site. You won't see hardly any advertising at all when people come to the site. So the end result is we've developed this system that um, is all about the content. And then once people have loved you and decided to love you, then you can begin selling to them. And that's how we've been able to grow as rapidly as we have. I mean, and that's essentially the secret sauce. One of the things that, again, you go into to detail and tell us exactly how to uh, do one of these promotions. You call it a velocity launch. Um, right. I think people can detect from the name that it's about you know getting that powerful, um, but very strategic and and not kind of shot in the dark. Very very strategic way to then launch a product as you do a number of times a year, and that is as I said detailed um, very heavily in the book. I want to go to some questions now, if we could. Yeah, real quick, just just thirty seconds. Velocity Please. launch. The velocity launch is exactly the same content we've been talking about, but some of it is injected with a little bit of marketing. And um, you use some of your nuclear fuel with a little bit of marketing. You use some of your primary fuel with a little bit of marketing. You don't do it a lot. You do it infrequently, and that is how you essentially um, can begin the process of selling with your content. And, and I outline that in the book. Yeah, and, and with great detail, if you're listening, with great detail. We do this this far out. We do this this far out. Here's our example in the appendices part of the book. There's examples of everything from how-to articles to how to conduct an expert interview to how to find experts, um, how to do a case study. Um, lots and lots and lots of that secret sauce. Let's go ahead and do uh, some questions. Um, we still uh, are taking questions. If you would like to submit it, just do that in the questions box. Um, I'm going to start, now this is an interesting question. We quite often get asked by people who are in service-based businesses, does this apply to us? But here we have Charmaine and she's asking, is the launch message relevant for a products-based business? We're selling bespoke toys. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, if you're selling toys, then first thing you want to ask yourself is who is your audience? And I would say your audience is parents. So the next thing you want to ask yourself is how can we um, find out what kinds of things our parents are interested in regardless of whether they buy our toys or not. Maybe you will discover that parents are interested in um, um, finding things that are safe toys for their children. So maybe you begin doing blog posts about um, uh, educating people about um, how to ascertain whether there's lead paint in their toys or whatever. And before you know it, um, parents have become, you become a resource to parents, but it doesn't have to just be about toys. Um, it could be about fun things that you can do with your kids that have absolutely nothing to do with toys, but has everything to do with what your parents, who is your audience, are ultimately interested in. When you do that, you become, like I said, the publisher. You don't need traditional publishers anymore, and then you can begin marketing your toys to them, and you can rapidly grow. Great, thank you. Ivanka asks, how do you manage the consistent and continual delivery of content that adds value? It seems like a lot of work, she says. How do you keep it fresh and constantly flowing? Ivanka, the key is to not just do it all yourself. Um, the key is to reach out to people that are um, like you and band together and do things um, 
that creative movement. When we started Social Media Examiner, um, we banded together with Mari Smith, Denise Wakeman, Chris Garrett, and Jason Falls, who are all kind of, you know, social media and blogging gurus. And, um, you know, everybody contributed a little something to the pie. Um, they were all part of it. And then eventually, when others saw what we were doing, they wanted to be part of it. And now we get to the point where we have 30 people a month that want to write for Social Media Examiner. We don't have to pay any of them. And we've got 100 writers that write for us for free. So well, the idea is don't do it all yourself. Band and group together with others. And again, I'll go back to the book. There's exact details of how do you find the experts? How do you reward them? How do you organize them? You know, how do you put together an editorial calendar? You know, when you're managing 100 people, obviously Michael has all those systems in place and he's shared those with us in the book. Ashley is asking, what are your thoughts on affiliate marketing sites? You hear stories of affiliate sites that do almost the complete opposite of what we're saying. They sell straight away. They're recommending products. That's where they make their money. Okay, great question. Um, internet marketing, I'm going to say, instead of affiliate marketing, right, because um, um, the internet marketing world is all about forcing people to make a quick decision and buy right away. I think that that is had its day. I think that um, when you think of traditional affiliate marketing, I think of, you know, internet hypesters, if you will, that are selling hope and dreams but aren't really providing really what people want. And um, I think that day has come and gone. And I would say that um, five years ago, this was the way a lot of people were making money. It was, you know, that everybody was preaching that if you just go ahead and either A, create a product that all sorts of affiliates can sell, or B, um, um, sell other people's stuff, you can be successful. But I'm here to tell you that you can be successful without doing any of that. Wouldn't you rather not be reliant on other people creating content that you have to sell? And wouldn't you rather be not reliant on other people reselling what you have to sell? When we started Social Media Examiner, 70% of our revenue came from affiliates. Now, 70% of our revenue comes from us. We've completely flipped it on its head. And we rely very little on affiliates. And we're becoming more and more independent. And we are controlling our destiny. So I would encourage you to think about um, getting to the point where you are completely independent. And affiliates make you dependent. Mm. Belinda says that you mentioned earlier um, not giving stuff away until you had a critical mass. How did you overcome, overcome excuse me, any backlash when you actually started selling? She's heard a prominent content creator say that he experienced quite a bit of backlash after he'd given a whole lot of content away for free and then started to sell. Well, it's all about how you sell. Um, the way Social Media Examiner sells is very subtle and um, we don't really typically do the hard sell. Um, and yes, there's always going to be, like I said earlier, you know, 80, 90% of your audience will, that are your will become evangelists and never buy from you. It's that small little percentage that will. So um, there's always going to be some people that are used to getting everything for free. And I don't really think you should be concerned if some people object to you trying to make a living. But um, I think the key is to um, avoid the typical ways of selling, which is to put advertisements all over the place in your content and just send 20,000 emails to people saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Instead, um, figure out a way to do it in an educational way. And I lay that out in the last chapter of the book. The next question I have here is about reposting the same content. Firstly, do you do it and how do you feel about it when that is done, you know, say through social channels? Yeah, so um, we are strong defenders of our content. We produce original, never-before-seen content. Um, and we ask our writers to give us a two-week exclusive after that. They can do whatever they want with it. So in that regard, um, um, we don't mind so much. But we do have a lot of people that just copy and paste because it's so darn easy to do. And we just simply put little notes on there that says, please remove our copyrighted material. Thank you so much for your understanding and 99.9% um, comply. Um, you don't want to distribute your content everywhere. You want instead to have your content live in a place that is um, becoming a hub, if you will, of your industry where people come to get it. Because if you're going to invest the time in creating spectacular content, you really need to have it live somewhere. Now, having said all that, if you don't have a big site right now, I've got no problem with you writing for other sites. I got my start writing for Brian Clark at copyblogger.com because he had a massive audience. And I know lots of writers that write for Social Media Examiner want to write for us because we have the audience. And then that they get the exposure that allows them to go off and build their own thing. 
So um, I think it's kind of you have to just ask yourself where are you at with your business. If you're really small, maybe it does make sense to work with someone who's already got an audience. And if you're really big, then I would definitely not distribute your content. Um, this may be our uh, final question, but I just want to clarify on the last question. Um, do you take, say, the information that's in your newsletter and then tweet that out and put it on Google Plus and actually post it, links to it multiple times? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, great question. So, um, yes, obviously, um, we are social media examiners, so we want our, so our content to get propagated everywhere. Um, but realize when someone puts it up on Facebook or on Google Plus or on Twitter or on LinkedIn, it's usually just about a paragraph or a sentence abstract that points back to it. So absolutely, you want to use social sharing in every conceivable way possible to bring people to the content. Even our newsletter only has a 70-word blurb and then it links to the content. So you could say that our newsletter is no different than Facebook. You know, it's all designed to just give them a little tiny bit, and the hope is that they'll click and they'll come to the site and read the content. Very good. A quick one from Jen. I don't know if it'll be quick. We'll see. <laughs> she consults to small and medium-sized enterprises, um, and there's already a lot of content online about that. She's wondering how to best differentiate herself. She consults on business planning and solve, um, solving problems for growth. You know, step number one is to talk to your clients and potential clients and ask them exactly what they are most interested in learning about and then simply give it to them whether or not your competition is doing it or not. Do it in a way that I talked about, which is super relevant, that lacks advertising, that's visually appealing. This will allow your content to stand out. You could be the best writer in the world, but if that writer, if that content looks ugly, meaning it just looks like super long paragraph after super long paragraph with no formatting, people aren't going to share it. You could be the worst writer in the world, but if that content looks spectacular, people will share it. So the ideal medium here is to actually just create great content and not worry about the fact that other people are creating great content, but know that most of them are not doing it in the way that I've been talking about. And by simply doing it in the way that I've been talking about, you will continue to attract people. If I could become the largest social media blog in the world, with the exception of Mashable, and I entered into a space where there were thousands of competition, then you can do it too. Thank you. I'm going to come back to you in just a second, Mike, for some closing comments. I just want to let people know, in a couple of hours, we're going to send you a link so you can listen back to today because I know that there was a lot that we covered and many of you will want to review uh, the content. Um, as you're leaving today, we will ask you for your feedback. We'd appreciate any feedback that you would like to give us, including um, any authors that you would like to hear from. There's a lot of great books coming out, have just come out, so we're looking forward to relaunching this series in the new year. This is our final book for lunch uh, for this year. I also I want to thank uh, Citrix GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar. As we talked about earlier, when you're looking at nuclear fuel, webinars are a way to put that into practice. You can get a free trial of GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar. The details are on your screen and we'll also put them in an email that we'll send you in a couple of hours. Michael, thank you so much. Um, before we sign off, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to give us some Closing comments, what would you like to leave us with? Well, first of all, you can get a free chapter of the book at elevationprinciple.com. Um, and I just want to encourage everybody to, I know this stuff sounds really foreign, and I know it sounds like, oh, gosh, what in the world is he talking about? But I know it probably resonates with you in your core. I know you as a consumer want this kind of stuff. So start giving people what they really want. And when you start giving people gifts, watch what happens. You will be absolutely shocked and surprised to see the way this can really, really grow your business. I strongly encourage you to give it a shot and let me know how it works for you. Thank you. And I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. It's Launch How to Quickly Propel Your Business Beyond the Competition. Um, we will send you a link to Booktopia. Our friends at Booktopia are offering launch at a slight discount. If you want to pick a copy up, uh, we would definitely highly recommend it. Again, Michael, thank you so much for joining us and to all of you. Thank you for being a part of today's webinar. Um, on behalf of the Australian Business Women's Network, I want to thank you for taking the last hour or so to spend the time with us. We're a membership-based organisation and on our website you will find and be able to watch on demand a number of webinars around the subjects of business and social media and um, 
more than that, I want to say, yeah, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again on another Book for Lunch program. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Book for Lunch, interviews with the world's leading business book authors and thinkers. Book for Lunch is presented by the Australian Business Women's Network. For more interviews and details of upcoming Book for Lunch webinars, visit the Australian Business Women's Network website at www.abn.org.au.